I'm so thankful that you're here for this special Thanksgiving service tonight. And, you know, my heart is filled with so much gratitude for all that God has done for us and done in our lives. I'm so thankful for how he's been with our congregation, with my family during this time of the COVID crisis. I reflect upon the fact that my grandson, I reflect upon the fact that two of my children, I reflect upon the fact that my sister and her husband, people in our congregation that have had the coronavirus and how God has graciously brought us through this time. I reflect upon the fact that never in my recollection or in my memory has a vaccine been researched and tested and developed and we're only days away from it being released and it's my understanding there are going to be three different vaccines that are going to be released. So I am super, super excited about that. I believe it's been a time that God has tested our hearts to see what's there. And in this service as we gather to thank Him, I want to look at tonight because everyone has been telling me, I can't wait till 2020 is over. I can't wait till 2020 is behind us. And every time somebody tells me that, there are several things that go through my mind. Number one, God is just as faithful January the 1, 21, 20, or 2021 as He is tonight, November 24th, 2020. Could you say amen? You know, nothing changes. God is still on the throne. The second thing I've thought about is how good God has brought us to, brought us through this time. I shared a picture from on my Facebook today. One year ago today, you and I took communion to Augustine Domingo. And 94 years old, Augustine sang to us. We had communion together. We talked about the goodness of God in his life. Just a few years ago, I buried his beautiful wife, Juanita. They sat right over here, right behind where we sat. And now they're both in heaven, singing to the glory of God. And my heart goes out. But tonight, I want to tell you something. Augustine and Juanita, they have won, they have won, they have won, they have won. And so this Thanksgiving Eve, I just want to say we're going to remember God's promise and God's faithfulness to us because it gives us hope for the future. If there's anything I've learned from this year, you know, I've walked through crisis with families. I've walked through crisis in my own personal life. But this year, we've walked through a crisis together as a church that makes the financial downturn of about 10 years ago seem like playing patty cake. This year, we have walked through something together as a nation, as a church, and as a community where we have seen God's faithfulness extended to us. And so I want you to join me in prayer after I read this passage of Scripture tonight. Listen to this. The trumpeters and the singers, this is at the dedication of the temple. The trumpeters and the singers perform together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. It's kind of like our band up here tonight and our singers and you and I, together we sang in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord. Now, here's what you need to know about Second Chronicles. Second Chronicles was written at a different time than Second Kings. Chronicles is being written to encourage the children of Israel 
because they're in captivity in a foreign land by, in Babylon. One of them would write, how can we sing the songs of Zion in Babylon? We're just going to hang my harp on a willow tree. I'm going to tell you something. This pastor and this church, we're not going to hang our harp on a willow tree. We're going to lift our voices and praise to God despite the pandemic. Can you say amen to that? And so Chronicles is being written to encourage them during an awful time and a difficult time where they have been carried away as slaves. This is the time of Daniel, the prophet Daniel. This is the time of Ezekiel. And so tonight, we're joining in that same faith because 2020 gives us hope for the future. God is taking care of us, and God's going to take care of us through the future. So they, in unison, they praised, they gave thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, and they raised their voices, and they praised the Lord with these words, He is good. His faithful love endures forever. And at that moment, look at this, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. I want to talk to you in just a few minutes about that cloud and what it means. As I was praying and reflecting and getting ready for this service, and what could I say on a Thanksgiving service that would encourage us as we go to our Thanksgiving dinners? Because many of us, like Becky and I, we won't have our families with us this year. Our children won't be here. Relatives won't be here. Mothers won't be here. But as Amy and Becky and I gather around that enormous turkey, I'm going to have to do a lot of eating to consume that turkey. But as we gather around that enormous turkey, we're going to give God thanks because everybody in our family is safe. Would you join me in prayer right now? Oh, Father, we just sang it together. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. Oh, praise the name of Jesus. For he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Oh, praise the name of Jesus, for you have shown us the Father. Oh, praise the name of Jesus, for you bore our sins to Calvary and washed them away by your blood. Oh, praise the name of Jesus, for you have borne our sicknesses to the cross, O oh Lord, and by your stripes we are healed. Oh, praise the name of Jesus, for because of your great work for us, a place has been prepared for us in your Father's house. Oh, praise the name of Jesus, for in you all the fullness of God dwells. And we come together on this Thanksgiving night to worship and to adore you. In Christ's name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. Thank you, sweetheart. I'm so glad you're here tonight. You know, as we were singing, and as we've sang every Sunday here at this church, and I still remember the first Sunday that I attended here at this church, and I sat right there, just about where Pastor Rick is sitting tonight. And I remember our singing that day, and I remember so many different times as we've sang and worshiped the Lord, how I've encountered the presence of the Lord. And because I'm a pastor, you'll find me frequently looking around. Recently, I said to one of our young people here at the church, I said, when you see me on my iPhone during church right now, 
It's because I'm either praying with people that are on our Facebook or YouTube while we were praying the other day. We had people in the hospital that were watching, so I just lay my hand on my iPhone while I was praying with us as, as Pastor Rick as he was praying, and I just wanted them to know that I was worshiping. I wasn't, you know, texting or putting an emoji on Facebook, but was worshiping. So many times as we've sang together and I've looked to see you worship the Lord, I've seen this beauty of the presence of God among us as we've dwelled in His presence. St. Benedict said this, he said, let us stand to sing the Psalms in such a way that our minds are in harmony with our voices. It's why I mentioned to you on Sunday morning, when we worship, let's worship mindfully. When we worship, let's put our heart and mind and soul into it. Let's don't just sing the words, but let's worship the Lord, because when we worship thankfully, thankful worship welcomes the presence of God. And that's what we did tonight, as we came into His presence on this Thanksgiving uh, service. We've come to welcome and to invite the presence of the Lord with us. And you say, Pastor, why is that so important? Why can't we just come and go through an order of service and maybe just have church and go home? Why all the prayer for the manifest presence of God? Why all the prayer to meet with God? Well, I think that's fairly easy to explain. You see, in a meeting, there's an exchange. In a meeting, you can see someone's face. You can see their body language. And I'm so grateful for all of you that are watching on, online tonight, but I'm sure that you're like me. You've gotten an email or you've gotten a letter sometime, and you've read it, and you go, now, what do they mean by this? Have you ever read an email when you got done, you go, no, what did they mean by this? Because you can't see their face, or you can't see their body language or their expression. In a meeting, there's an exchange. In a meeting, there's presence. In a meeting, you're face to face, and you see what's going on. Well, the Bible is clear. God wants to meet with His people. God invites us into His presence. God invites us through the blood of Jesus. God sends His Holy Spirit to come and dwell among us. And you and I can have a personal—listen, this is important—you and I can have a very personal encounter with God tonight. As Pastor Rick Corey was praying over the, the juice, and as he was praying over the, the wafer tonight, I was giving God thanks for His body and His blood. And as I listened to the snapping of the wafers in the service tonight, I was reminded again that not one bone of His body was broken, but how His body was macerated for you and for me. And somehow or another, as we receive the communion mindfully, thoughtfully, as St. Benedict said, as we have our minds in harmony with our voices, we think about what we're doing, then that wafer and that cup and the time that we spend becomes that much more meaningful. And I just got to tell you, as a pastor, I'm a bit concerned, and I'm not scolding anybody, so I want you to listen. You know, when I say that, I'm trying to get your attention. And I'm really not scolding anybody, but I want you to listen, especially those of on online. Because I am concerned that we are coming together during this COVID crisis, some of us here in the church and some of us online, and maybe we're singing the songs, but we're not worshiping. I'm concerned sometimes, and I tell the pastors, I want you to be aware of what's going on, but I want you to worship the Lord. And sometimes when people will come to me and they'll say, well, you know, pastor, I couldn't hear this musical instrument or this voice was a little louder than, I'll often, I'll listen, I'll say, thank 
thank you so much for letting me know that. I will pass that on to Pastor Mark or to Becky or whoever's responsible. But I have a question for you. Did you worship the Lord this morning? Did you sing the songs? Did you enter into the presence of God? Because we don't come together to critique. These folks get up early. These folks practice during the week, and they come to share their gifts with us so that together we can come into the presence of God. And I want us to be sure we thank them for helping us come together in the presence of God, because worship is when you meet with God. Worship is when you come into His presence. It's not an order of service. It's not something we do as a ritual, but we pray for the presence of God to be in our services. And I pray tonight for the presence of God to be manifested in that, that somehow or another we would know that we know that. You see, let me tell you something. And this recently surprised somebody when I told them this. I said, God is happy. Oh, no, Pastor, God can't be happy. Look at what's going on. I said, no, God is happy. God is a happy God. I mean, the Bible says that every time somebody gives their hearts to the Lord, even the angels are rejoicing in heaven. Well, I know that, Pastor, but still God can't. I said, no, God is a happy God. God is in control. I said, God has never not been happy. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you listening to me? Now, there are times when I will leave people, I'm brokenhearted. I'm brokenhearted over what's going on in their home. But when I come into my home and my wife greets me with a hug and a kiss and she tells me she loves me, or my grandchildren Skype me up and they papa and they want to talk for a little while, or my mother calls, or my son or daughter calls, and there's a happiness in my heart. Yes, I'm grieved about what's going on in your life, but in my home, there is happiness. And I'm telling you that in the church and in the body of Christ and in heaven tonight, we serve a God that rejoices over His people this evening. And we come into his presence, not to a dour God, not to a sour God, not to an angry God, but we come into the presence of God who's happy. And you see, when we come into his presence and we give to him our praise and our worship, God is wanting to give to us. God is wanting to give to us. Just a few minutes ago, before I walked into the service, I, I was on the phone with someone, and they wanted to pay back. I said, no. This was our gift to you. We wanted to do this for you. It's interesting. We worship not to get something back from God, but as we come and we give God our fears, as we give God our cares, as we give God our worries, as we give God our sicknesses, as we give God our pain, God gives us back his peace, his love, he gives us his joy, he gives us his patience, he gives us his long-suffering, he gives us his tenderness, he gives us his kindness. If you haven't guessed by now, I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit. There is always an exchange. That's why people who worship and know the Lord are joyful joyful and happy people, and Jesus could say, blessed are you, or happier are you when you do these things. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for that tonight? Now, is, can I ask you a question? Is that okay that God wants you to cast your cares upon Him, and He, in turn, wants to give you His peace, His joy, and He wants to provide? Is that okay with you? I mean, if it's not, then why serve the Lord? He invites you, cast all your cares upon me, for I care for you. 
Look at this verse of Scripture, Psalms 43 and verse 4. I will go to the altar of God, to God, read it with me, the source of all my joy. Say it again, the source of all my joy. My sweetheart is not the source of my joy. I have joy in my wife and in my marriage because the Lord has given me joy. The church is not the source of our joy. We have joy in the church because the Lord is the source of our joy. Friends, the fountainhead and the source of joy, it's in the Lord. The joy of the Lord, the Bible says, is our strength. Look at Philippians 4 and verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice always be full. That tells me that if your joy bucket is getting a little dry tonight, you can come into the presence of God and get it filled back up. You can come into the presence of God, into His presence with singing and thanksgiving and praise, and God in turn, if you're willing to give Him thanks in all circumstances, we've looked at for the last two Sundays in a row, if you're willing to give Him thanks rather than grumble, if you're willing to give Him thanks rather than complain, if you're willing to give Him thanks rather than to look at all the bad, but come to Him who is Lord of all and sovereign over all and God who is in control, God will fill your bucket of joy again. You say, why does my bucket need filling? Because if yours is like mine, it leaks from time to time. You know, it leaks, and sometimes something will happen that will slosh the bucket, and a big gush of my joy will run out, and I have a choice in grumble or complain or come back to the source of my joy. What, what do we give Him thanks for? Number one, let's give Him thanks for who He is. He's our Father. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our soon-and-coming King. He's the one who sanctifies us. He is the way. He's the truth, the life. He's the provider. He's the shelter. He's our sanctifier. He's our healer. I could go on and on on and on. Just before the service tonight, I just decided on a whim, I would write down some things, and I stopped at 25 things that the Bible tells me that the Lord my God is. Why don't you spend some time this Thanksgiving weekend either looking at what the Bible says God is and who God is, or else just taking one of those attributes every single day and giving God thanks. The second thing you want to do is thank God for what He's done for us. Thank God for what He's done for us. What does He do? Well, number one, He sent Christ into the world to save us from our sins. He's our Creator. Just knowing that He's my Creator and that I didn't evolve from some lower form, knowing that I didn't come up from some organism or some animal, so therefore I can expect to act like an animal, but knowing that God Himself created me in His image and breathed His life into me as we looked at Sunday morning, that gives me aspirations and hope for life that, you know, nothing else in this world could ever do. What has God done for us? God gave us faith. Give God thanks for the person that had a hand in leading you to Christ. I not only thank God for my parents, but I thank God for my friends and those in those days before I knew Jesus and had a friend. I thank God for those people who mentored and discipled me along the way. I thank God tonight for the pastors and the deacons. I thank God for the congregation. I thank God for our leaders in our community. There is so much that God has given to us. When I reflected upon some of the troubles that some of our other communities have gone through in Wayne County this year, I have given God thanks for the peace that Trenton and Woodhaven and Flat Rock and, and uh, Brownstown and, and have enjoyed as we have seen God's hand rest upon us. 
There is so much to give God thanks for. I could spend the rest of my preaching time tonight just talking about that. One time Jesus said to a man, he said in Luke chapter 8 and verse 39, go back and tell your family everything God has done for you. When's the last time you sat down and told your family everything God has done for you? Boy, my kids would put their hands up, okay, Dad, enough already, enough already. When's the last time you sat down and you told your neighbor what God has done for you? When's the last time you sat down and talked amongst yourselves as a small group what God has done for us? Jesus said this, go back and tell your family everything God has done for you. It's one of the motivating reasons of why I keep a journal Every once in a while, somebody will ask Becky, he says, what are you going to do with pastor's journal when he dies? You know, the journal is not for the public, and the journal is not for the church. The journal is for my children to see the good things that God has done in our lives, in our marriage, in our family, in the ministry, in the church, because one of my prayers always was that my children would love the body of Christ. I preach so many PK retreats and listen to so many preachers' kids. So I want to say thank you to Woodland Church because all four of my children love the body of Christ and they love the church and they have good memories about being in church together. And for me as a pastor and as a father, I can't tell you how much that means to me. So I give God thanks for everything that he has done in my life. Do you follow what I'm saying? Go back and tell your family. And tonight, as we move right along, what I'd like you to look at as well is God's glory always comes upon a people united in grateful worship. God's glory always comes upon a people united in grateful worship. When people come together to worship the Lord, church is not a meeting. Church is not like a city hall meeting or a civic meeting or a rah, rah, rah motivational meeting. You know, because I've had the privilege of speaking a lot of those things and I've seen some of the stuff that has been written, especially about me sometimes, I've called people up and said, that's not true. That is an exaggeration. They say, well, it's already printed. It's out right now. That's what somebody said. And I look at those things, and I get these things that people mail to me and says, you know, for $500, we're going to teach you how to have a fulfilled life. And they'll give you all these things. And I, I read that, and I go, boy, that sounds so, I could have a fulfilled life for only 500 bucks. Boy, if I knew that, I'd have never had to gotten married. I'd have never had to got an education. There's a lot of things I'd never had to do for 500 measly bucks. I want to tell you something. I've been to so many of those seminars. I've been able to speak at so many of those things, but I want to tell you this one thing. There's nothing like being together with the family of God in the presence of God and giving Him praise and worship and sensing the Spirit of God fall upon our lives. When I was a boy, we used to sing a song, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh upon me. When I talk about this, what I want you to do is talk about what you believe about the Lord. Talk about how good God has been to you. Give Him thanks for everything He's done. There's one thing I had to get used to when I moved to Michigan, and this is not a, this is not a crack on, on our community or anything like that. And I didn't realize how much I missed it until I kept, there's something I'm missing here. And then I went home 
and I found out what I was missing. You see, in my hometown, which is not a big hometown, but in my hometown, everybody meets downtown. I mean, you go get breakfast downtown, and after breakfast, you walk up the street, and if you want to, you can go into the bookstore, or you can go into your attorney's office, or you can go into the bank, or just—and you use the sidewalk. You know, you just walk, and you meet people. There are benches everywhere. There are beautiful—especially in the spring, there are beautiful parks and cherry trees. And you see people, you know. You see the judge, you know. You see the attorneys that you know. You see everyday people like you and me, that, and you— walk around downtown, you, it's just, it's community. It's where you, people know you. And I don't want to make it sound like it was perfect or make it sound like it was the bar at Cheers, but it's the kind of thing that when you went downtown, there was just community. There was always a church that was open that you could walk into and go and pray. And I was downtown with my family one day, walking around, seeing people that I knew. How long are you going to stay up there? How long are you going to be up there? And that's just the way Southerners are. And I'm sure there's other communities like that as well, but that's my hometown. And I came back to my mother and dad's house, and I sat down and I started writing. There's something about my hometown that the church needs as well, and that is that sense of community, that we belong. And if we don't see you, we miss you. If we don't see you, when are you coming back? If we don't see you, you're, you're important to us. Because this is not a meeting about me being successful or you being successful. This is a meeting about us coming into the presence of God as the children of God. You see, the Bible tells us that God is good and his faithful love endures forever. Can we say that together? God is good, and his faithful love endures forever. Say it again. God is good, and his faithful love endures forever. Now, here's, here's what the Bible teaches us, and I don't have time to do a long teaching on this, but it's only worship that invites the presence of God. It's only worship that invites the presence of God into your marriage, it's only worship that invites the presence of God into your family. I've taught on this before. It's why I ask you to have family altars and pray with your children, especially as they're growing up. It's only worship that brings us in, because as we worship God together, we welcome His presence. And that's what happened in the temple. That's what, this is what the writer of the Chronicles was trying to encourage the people with. When they worshiped together in unison, there was this thick cloud. They knew what he was talking about. You may not know what he's talking about. You may not know, but if I can tell you tonight, it's known as the Shekinah presence of God. It was the same cloud that followed the children of Israel that shaded them from the heat of the sun by day in the desert. It was the presence of God that was the fire that kept them warm at night. It was the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God. And the presence of God came in as they worshiped. And the cool thing is, as they worshiped the Lord, nobody could even stand up any longer. The pastor couldn't preach. The priest couldn't do their duties. The singers couldn't sing. But every Everybody was prostrate in the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I would love to be in a place where the glory falls like that, where we come into His presence and God's Spirit moves among us. 
Ephesians 3, verse 19, the Apostle Paul writes, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The context of that, he's referring to the glory of God. Now, let me show you how important this is, because this is what Jesus prayed. First of all, let's look at Psalms 133. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. Now, notice what happens in John 17. Jesus says, I pray they will all be one, just as you and I are one, and as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and they may be in us, so that the world will believe you sent me. So, key number one, we want to be in the presence of God. And after that happens, what does he say? I have given them the glory you gave me. And Jesus is the fullness of the, Hebrews chapter 1 declares it, he's the fullness of the glory of God. I have given them the glory you gave me so that we may be one and one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. Recently, I've been listening to Keith Green again. I love the music of Keith Green. And the other day I was studying, and I had Keith's music, I mean, blasting in the background. And all of a sudden, he said these words. He says, Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, get out of your bed. Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, get out of your bed. I picked up the phone because I had called a man and talked to him. He says, Pastor, I just can't get up that early on Sunday morning. I work hard all week. I just can't get up that early on Sunday morning. He likes Keith Green. I like Keith Green. I told him, I says, do you remember a song Keith Green sang? He goes, told, don't quote Keith Green to me. <laughs> and I said, Jesus rose from the dead. Come on, get out of your beds. Now, that's what a good pastor does. He doesn't let somebody just slack off on him like that. If you want to know how a good pastor will love you, he'll get in your face sometime, and he'll just say, come on, get out of your bed. Let's serve the Lord. Don't be—if Jesus could die for our sins, how much more should we come in together and offer to him his glory? And then finally tonight, I believe the day is coming that God's presence will overwhelm us with his glory. I believe the day is coming when God's presence will overwhelm us with His glory. I'm not trying to produce something psychologically. I'm not trying to subtly put something into your mind. I just want to give to you the word of the Lord. A thick cloud filled the temple. Say, so, Pastor, why don't we see that today? Can I, can I just be a little honest? I think it's the same problem that human beings have always had. You can either choose to obey or disobey. Adam and Eve chose to disobey, and they left the presence of the Lord. They hid from the presence of the Lord. Jonah chose to disobey, and he tried to flee from the presence of the Lord. You see, there's something about being in the presence of God. Worship is not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the team. Thanksgiving is about giving thanks to God for how good he is. And to do, as Psalms 100 says, come into his presence with singing. 
Come into his presence with thanksgiving. Enter into his gates and enter into his courts with praise. That's what thanksgiving is all about. And so it's pretty clear in Scripture that this Thanksgiving season, if we want to hope for 2021, it's not the vaccine, it's not politics, it's not a motivational meeting. If we want hope for 2021, is to come into his presence and to give to God in 2020 in the midst of a COVID-19 pandemic the praise, the glory, and the honor that he rightfully deserves. Can you say amen? Would you stand with me tonight and let's pray together. I love you, oh Lord my God. You are the strength of my soul. You are the song of my salvation. You are the healer of this broken body. You are the giver of life. You are the one who makes the fatherless and the motherless the parents of happy children and grandchildren. You are the one, Lord, who takes and you bring out of the baggage closet, Lord, and you put your anointing of your spirit upon your people. You are the one that says, walk in my ways, and I will bless you, and I will prosper you, and I will cover you with my spirit. You are the one who have given us rain from heaven, food from the earth. You are the one, O oh Lord, who has put your hands over this congregation and blessed and protected us. And now, in the name of Jesus, on this Tuesday night before Thanksgiving, we lift our voices in praise to you. Oh, praise the name of Jesus Christ forevermore. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful and a happy Thanksgiving. And by the way, if you haven't taken time to give yet, would you be sure and do what Pastor Corey asked you to do? There is joy in giving. And so go online or go to our website or text 77977 and give your Thanksgiving offering tonight. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and have a happy Thanksgiving. I'll see you Sunday morning. God bless you.